Right. But like, uh, I can okay. get a resource, hey, and I might There just is do another rule. Uh-huh. You must do actions one at a time and complete that action got before it. you do That's another action. Good to know. All right. Good to know. You can't just go. Bleh! Yeah. Okay. <laughs> That's I was, what gonna, I was, ho- I was hoping for I was that. Desic- that was my plan. That was my plan too. Plan. What's the point? <laughs> Welcome to which game first? With thousands of board games produced every year, it's a daunting task to figure out which games you and your friends will love. I'm here with my decades-long gaming buddies, Evan Bernstein. Hello, everyone. Ed Povolitis. Hey. And Mike Grenier. Howdy, partners. We hunt down three board games every show from all over the spectrum, different styles, genres, themes, even eras. Are they worth digging up or should they stay buried? Let's find out. First up this week, we whisk our finest wizard robes on and hope the weather is in our favor in Seasons. Next, we primp up our finest nobleman garb and hope to beat the sands of time in Pendulum. And lastly... We don our best three-piece suit and hope opportunity comes knocking in careers. I'm your host, Celeste Angelus. Let's get started. Hey, everybody. We have been having a great time getting to know all the new people we've been meeting on social media. I hope you'll all join me for my new mini game on Twitter called Two Stat Tuesday. I'll give you a scenario and all you need to do is pick a stat and roll a d20 and I'll tell you what happens. If you survive round one, you'll get the chance to roll again, if you dare. And if you want to see Ed's smug smile as he sneaks in another victory, or Mikey G's look of shock as the (laughs) dice betray him yet again, check out our Twitch stream every Thursday night, 7 p.m. Eastern Time. And don't forget, we've been adding tons of our content on YouTube and Board Game Geek. So please come and say hi to us on social media platforms. and. If you do listen on a podcatcher, if you could hit us up with a review or a star or a like there, any mention on a podcatcher really helps us grow. Let's talk about the board game Seasons, designed by Regie Bonasse, published by Libelud Games in 2012, number of players 2 to 4, ages 14 and up, playtime 60 minutes. Okay, Mike, what's in the box? Picture a sorcerer standing atop a hill before a crashing waterfall, staff held high, with his imp at his side as he commands nature to do his bidding. Now you're looking at the box cover for Seasons. Inside you'll find a game board, a crystal track, a year and season token, eight library tokens, four individual boards, 16 sorcerer tokens, 20 season dice, 40 advanced power cards, 60 basic power cards, and 64 energy tokens. And that's what's in the box. Before we pepper on our comments, Evan, tell us how it's played. Seasons is a tactical game of cards and dice which takes place in two phases. The first phase is the prelude, and it consists of a card draft. Players establish their own nine-card deck. Next comes the tournament. At the beginning of each round, a player will roll the season's dice. The dice offer a variety of actions to the players. You can increase the maximum number of cards in front of you in play. You can harvest energy, which is water, earth, fire, and air. Collect crystals, which are victory points. And they can serve as a resource to pay for some cards. Or you can draw new cards. 
At the end of the turn, there will remain one die unchosen. This die determines how fast the time track moves forward. The players play through three years worth of seasons, and then the game ends. Crystals are counted, modifiers are applied, and the highest score is the winner, and they must dance the season's dance in <laughs> celebration of their victory, and the worse the dancing, the better. Uh, I'd love to see a good season's dance. <laughs> that should definitely be in the rules. I might have, I think I embellished that last Sounded one. Sounded like dance, an add I'm I mean, sure they're that, getting together that. to put that edit in, right into the next edition. Oh, the expansion. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, we played this game on Board Game Arena. What did we think of the look on Board Game Arena versus the look IRL? I mean, they certainly got the component look correct, but I think the first thing we'll always notice on Board Game Arena is the dice. Don't roll them. They just show up as whatever you rolled. And the dice are very pretty, the ones that come with this game. You know, they're large custom dice with uh, fun symbols, different colors. So mm-hmm. that was definitely missed. Come on, BGA, start up a animation of your dice. <laughs> I'm sure it's easy to just plug that in. No problem. Well, I say on Tabletopia, they allow you to really pick up dice and throw them. And there's a little animation. It helps. Yeah, it's a very 3D game. And that, that's what's usually different between board games. Uh, arena and say tabletopia is that most of the games on board game arena are 2d only right right right, mm-hmm. right. although we did play one with 3d we did yeah and it looked good it was um santorini oh yeah that's Correct. right a little spin around board that was cool so ed why does this game have seasons <laughs> <laughs> the name of the game certainly uh talked about the seasons and it seemed in each of the different seasons there different elements that are common and others that are uncommon. And depending on what combos you're working on, it may mean like something has to wait until you can really get the element you need. But there's no guarantee there exactly. Like It's no. just kind of like it's more common to have certain elements in certain seasons. So you're kind of planned for playing your cards out in the order of the seasons that are coming up. So that's the thing. It's like the planning... Um, really comes out to hoping. <laughs> yeah, it really does. <laughs> <laughs> really does. You can get sorely disappointed by the actual dice rolls when they're when the time comes. Well, before yeah. dice, though, it starts with drafting. And the very first thing is it's usually a very cool thing to be able to draft what you're you're gonna have in your cards. I love that mechanic in in games. I know, and uh, oh, we're playing this for the first time, and I'm looking at the cards, and I'm like, I- I'm gonna take D three, D three, and then D three. Do I know they're going to work together? No, I have no idea how the game plays. It's my first time <laughs> playing it. And it's hard. Like your first playthrough, it's like, okay, here's all the options. Make a strategy. <laughs> right. <laughs> I, I kind of compensated for that by thinking of it as kind of like a normal worker placement type game where you're like, all right, early on, I have to build this thing up so that I can get more bonuses throughout the game. Because if I use those early, I'll get more advantage from them. So that's the only thing I kind of had to go from was my other gaming experiences. I felt as if everything I did was too late. Mm. I almost felt like there wasn't enough time in this game to build up your combos. Yeah, I felt the same thing. It's like 
it took me time to learn the game. So I was like learning to go. You have to learn the flow. Okay, where did the element come from? Where do I get the thing I need in order to trigger the thing? And once you figure that out, and like I hit the thing, and then I got the trigger out, and the big effect got, and I got the the new power I wanted. It's like, yeah, uh, the game's over. What? <laughs> that is so common. <laughs> the game ends just when you think you got your engine really rolling. Uh, what did you think of the theme? The theme of the game did not really inform play. I felt like, yes, there's interesting things going on with the dice, certainly with the cards and the combinations that you're looking to make to maximize your crystals, but I think you could have put practically any kind of skin over this these mechanics of this game and called it anything or made it, you know, fantasy or space or history or anything. I felt a disconnect between the theme and the actual gameplay itself. I, it, it didn't, it didn't, gel for me it didn't blend ed was saying he felt that it, there was a lot of randomness here you have to try to get the right symbols at the right time if you don't got the right dice rolling for you and it's like yeah i got a lot of fire except for my stuff driven off yeah. of water and that's why early on my focus was to make sure that i had discounts so i can not have to use one certain kind of element or things that help me to alter it so i can change one element into another because i know that my dice rolling luck is not going to help me in this situation. I need to help myself. We do talk a lot about, okay, some games have a learning curve, some games don't, but there does have to be an element of grabbing you at the beginning. And I didn't feel that the grab was there. There was nothing there to make me want to learn these rules. Mm. You know, I read the cool theme. You're a wizard. You're going to compete in this tournament to be named the Archmage. No, where, where, right. who, when, <laughs> what, yeah. you know, where's the art representing that? Where is it? Yeah. Thematically, it didn't really grab me, but strategically, I was enjoying just looking at nine different cards to start with and thinking how they would work together in the combos that you can bust out in this game. You know, one has to wonder if because we played it on Board Game Arena, was some of that theme sort of stripped away because of the limitations of, of a site like Board Game Arena versus playing it in right. person. I tend to think not. Because I've also watched videos of this being played anal analog, you know, at the actual game out of the box. And those sort of sensations remain the same. So I don't think it's an artifact of the online experience, but maybe I'm wrong. Yeah, I think in person you'd have the advantage of being able to look at your other cards you chose and, and, and be able to plan a little better for what you're going for. Mm. Like, like, yeah, I picked these cards that I'm going to get later. And then you can get new powers in the game as well. And it felt like once you got the flow of the game, and it took us a while. And then it was over. <laughs> I kind of want to try it again because I think I can do better next time. Because mm -hmm. I now yeah. did so poorly in the first playthrough because I didn't really know what to do. Right. <laughs> I, and I do firmly believe there are games that are enhanced by the online experience, rules locking, board game arena, and games that are reduced by it. True. One of the things that may have hurt us as far as our planning is concerned is that we normally the game has a draft where you see a few cards and then you take one and pass them. In the version that we played, just kind of for speed purposes, we just had a hand that we started with and that was it. So we couldn't say, oh, I want to try to really focus on summer cards or whatever. You just had what you had. But, it, but again, at the first time playthrough, how do you, you know even begin the draft? That's why, like, that for the starter, they say use the basic set of hand in order to learn the game. And I think that's an important thing. You kind of need to learn the game before you can play the game. And and this is probably one of those games you're not going to get it 
until you're actually done with your first game. And to sort of bring it full circle back to what Ed was initially talking about, be that the game is somehow kind of over before you, once you get your engine rolling and everything, you know, <laughs> you get in the hang of it and oh, suddenly done. Much of that has to do with the fact that the players have some level of control over the speed of the game because you're rolling dice, but there's always one more die than there is players. And that, the purpose of that is because that last die determines how quickly the seasons move. You have three pips per season. You can move at one or as many as three. So a season could really be over before <laughs> before you, you know, are able to linger in any particular season to gain the full advantages that you planned for. Yep. Um, so, and that that's something you can use to either your advantage, because, hey, I'm looking to get to the next season. I don't want to be in this season anymore. Or you can kind of screw your neighbor a little bit and like, oh, Ed's, <laughs> Ed wants to be in the fire season. Let's get out of this fire season. Let's get on to a different season so he can't take advantage of it. Hmm? Wait, why does it say you only have nine points? Because he's about to unload some sort of mega. Well, he should have. Oh, that's at the end of the game. He'll have 30 points for that card. I gave it to him. I wish there oh. was an undo. I was well, it cost him 20 points to put it out. Cost me nothing. What? How'd you get it out for free? Because I had a card. I could play a card for free. Oh, oh. <laughs> oh man, darn it. I gave it to the wrong person. I mean, I had a card that was specifically made to do just that. I had the temporal boots, I think they were called, and it was a cheap card. You could play it for free, actually, and you could either slow down the season or speed up the season. I put it into my third segment of cards that I was going to use, like the end game part, mm -hmm. because I had no idea early on where I would want the tempo to be. But right at the end, I sped right past the season that was going to help other people so I can get to the end of the game and, and win. Yep. Okay, explorers, it's time to dig up or bury Seasons. Evan? Seasons has a lot going on. The iconography on both the dice and the cards are plentiful. There's a lot to gauge, which means it has replayability. But the game did not wow me. It felt more like we were playing cards and dice for its own sake, and I felt practically zero connection to the theme of the game. So I have to bury it. Ed? Why don't you figure out the flow of the game? It is fun to trigger powers and pull off that epic combo. But for your first game, it's likely to be at the point when the game is nearly over. I'd play this again if somebody else brought this to the table. I want to do better next time but I probably won't be digging this up for my collection, at least for a few more seasons. Mike? Seasons was a bit confusing at first, but I ended up really appreciating it as I played. Mad combos. I'd like to give it another try and really get my engine cranked up to 11, so I will dig it up. I may have enjoyed this game better live with being able to handle and manipulate the components and roll those nice-looking dice on my own, but as it stands, it did not draw me in. Bury it. If you have thoughts about Seasons, we'd love to hear from you. Hey, everybody. We've got some game designer guests with us today for a quick chat about their Kickstarter. It launched on October 6th and runs till November 3rd. We are with Jade Shames, Jen Igartois, and Ben Bronstein from Pillbox Games. Hi, everybody. Hello. Hey, thanks for Hello. having us. Welcome to Which Game First. So the name of your game is Mud. And it's kind of a timely theme, isn't it? Can you tell us about it? Uh, yeah, sure. It's sort of a successor of our, our first game, Side Effects, which was a take-that game based on a real-life system. 
Uh, this game is about American elections. People call it set collection games because uh, you're collecting voters. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's also a take that game because you can play power cards that we're calling rat cards because they all have um, old political cartoon drawings of rats on them that give you little <laughs> special advantages in the game. I love the art on, the, yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> on these yes. rats. I love the old, <laughs> the old classic style, the ink and pen. It's really charming. Oh, thank you. All credit goes to Ben Bronstein, the illustrator. Oh, nice job, Ben. Thank you. Yeah. And so just like side effects, we kind of wanted to like cover the gambit of design traditions of that theme. So in side effects, it was psychiatry. So we went all the way back to when psychiatrists, quote unquote, were referring to the moon and star charts to predict people's mental states and diagnose people and all the way up to, you know, contemporary um, real life medications that people use. And in this game, in Mud, we reference, you know, a lot of 20th century references, but it goes back a little further than that as well, into old political cartoons, into uh, federal currency, those traditions, and even like uh, Masonic imagery, you know, conspiracy theorist imagery. So just trying to, you know, it's almost like a design love letter to American art. I can absolutely see that in the beauty of these cards. So tell us about the Kickstarter. It launched on October 6th, and if I want to get a copy or someone wants to get a copy, what do we do? Yeah, so the Kickstarter, obviously just go on Kickstarter and search for MUD. We're there. Uh, Some (laughs) cool stuff about the Kickstarter is our tiers. We actually have one where for $100, you can have your own portrait in the game. So if you notice all the voters... They're unique portraits. Even my dad is there. Um, so you could, be, uh, you could be in the game like my dad. Um, but you can check out all the stuff on the Kickstarter. We're super excited. We had like such a great experience with all reviewers and like a really big effort from like the whole board game community, which is kind of the fun part of doing a Kickstarter is that everybody's so involved. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's really amazing. And uh, you can also see that we've got a ton of really amazing stretch goals. One of the things that we really care about is making like a beautiful game. We used to talk about when we first started Pillbox Games that one of our ethos is going to be that this is a game people want to leave out on their coffee table. And we did that with side effects and we plan to do the same thing with mud. I got to say the side effects game sounds really cool too. (laughs) Thank you. Can you you get that game, side effects, on your website or... You can get it on our website, but uh, it's actually in one of the tiers. So you could actually get mud and side effects as one of the tiers on the Kickstarter. And so uh, you could do a kind of a two for one there. That's a great idea to put in with mud. And also I love personal touches like that when they, when the game is able to allow a Kickstarter backer to actually get a cool thing that they come up with, or that's their idea Mm -hmm. or their look right in the game. That yeah, is a lot of fun. Yeah, we really care about having kind of all of our backers, fans, and people that have supported us during mm-hmm. uh, Side Effects and Mud to be part of making the game. Mm-hmm. And so even some of our stretch goals are what we call backers' choice. So you'll notice all the scandals in the game are kind of real life scandals. Some of them are easy to tell. Some of them are a little bit uh, harder to know who it is, but they're all real things that happen to candidates. So one of our stretch goals is to submit your own scandals and we'll pick kind of the one that gets the most votes. We have, you know, additional rat cards. So having everybody vote on which rat card they want to add and and make more there. And so we care about kind of including everybody in making choices about the game. That's awesome. 
I mean, I can't stress enough how much I love this art. I love the art style. It is absolutely what you were saying. I'm not sure. Was it Jade or Ben who was talking about the art style? You're capturing that old-fashioned art style. It's very, very evocative of the mm. early 1900s, and I love yeah. it. Thank you. So thank you guys. I really wish you the best of luck on your Kickstarter. And I have a little bit of extra money. So I might have my, my face put in there. Do it. <laughs> All right. Seriously. We, we actually would love for you. We need more women in there. Um, oh, because good. we know that kind of the board game world is a uh, majority men and even Kickstarter backers. What? Uh, Jen, just, what? what? Yeah, they can. yeah, I know. <laughs> surprising. Um, it tends to skew very male. So we want to make sure that we're, you know, asking more people to, to do that tier. All right, great. Well, best of luck with your Kickstarter. It's running right now. You can go and back it today and it runs until, I imagine deliberately, election day, November 3rd. That's right. <laughs> Jade, Jen, and Ben from Pillbox Games. You can go to pillbox.com or you can just type in mud at Kickstarter. Yep. Thank you again so much for joining us, guys. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Let's talk about the board game Pendulum, designed by Travis Jones, published by Stonemaier Games in 2020. Number of players, 1 to 5, ages 12 and up, playtime 60 to 90 minutes. Okay, Mike, tell us what's in the box. Three strange and unique towers dominate an ancient cityscape. The central tower is a fortified clock looming large over a lurking minotaur. Inside this ominous box, you'll discover a game board, a council board, five double-sided player mats, ten chips representing ten votes, a timer track board, a quick reference guide, 148 cards including reference, action, summary, province, council, achievement, stratagem, reward, and final council cards. <laughs> there are also 259 plastic pieces including common workers, grande workers, VP tokens, privilege markers, achievement markers, vote tokens, <laughs> and time tokens, and a metal <laughs> legendary achievement token. <laughs> Take a breath, Mike. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and lastly, the heart of the game, one purple three-minute timer, one green two-minute timer, and a black 45-second timer. <sighs> and that's what's in the box. <laughs> Well, before we flip the timer on this review, Evan, tell us how it's played. In Pendulum, each player is a powerful noble vying to succeed the timeless king as the true ruler of Dunya. Players command their workers, execute stratagems, and expand the provinces in their domain in real time to gain resources and move up the four victory tracks, which are power, prestige, popularity, and legendary achievement. Players must use actual time as a resource in managing their strategy to best their opponents, using time on different action types and balancing it with time spent planning and analyzing. It's all about time. Mm -hmm. The winner will be the player who manages and invests their time the most efficiently and who builds the best engine, not the player who acts the quickest. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yes, interesting. Maybe? Well, we did a live unboxing of this on Instagram, so you can go see our hyper unboxing there. Yeah, yeah. But we played this live. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's right. An analog, old-fashioned. 
Yeah, Celeste drove all the way up to New York City to grab me, to bring me back to Connecticut to play it live and in person, and I really, really appreciated seeing my friends. Aw, it was nice to see you too, Mike. I'll tell you what, right off the bat, play this game live. I don't even know if it's available on any of the online games, but... Yeah, probably not yet. It's so new. I see this being two really different games, online versus analog. Oh, yeah. Play it analog, folks. That's my suggestion. It's all about flipping those timers in real life. That's right. Physical components. It's a physical component to this game. As you could hear from Mikey, there are tons of components. How do <laughs> so they... much stuff in this box. Yeah, and, and they're high quality components. I mean, the, the, the player maps have a nice quality to them. All, the, all the, the meeples and the cubes are all plastic, although some people prefer wood, but <laughs> I think they're nice. And then, uh, you know, it's just a lot of stuff, and it's well produced. Um, it's pretty. A couple of things, though, the the timers, they look nice, but they're a little wobbly, and they actually made the bases a little narrower at the bottom. I was like, yeah. no, I think that the standard design of them having, like, a wide base would have been stood better so they can actually not be tipped over so easily when people are moving around, they're swinging their hands around trying to grab stuff and knocking stuff over. Yeah, the timers are so important to this game. Mm-hmm. They do need to be stable. And I got to say, the green timer got a little stuck on us once. <laughs> oh, and the sand did. in there. Yeah, yeah, something happened. So and, so uh, maybe hmm. shake your timers up a lot before you start playing. Get the sand nice and loose. That's what I used to have to do with my boggle timer. Mm-hmm. Yeah, this this game forces you to be kind of wear two different hats as a player and also as a uh, moderator, in a sense, because you're responsible for making sure that these hourglasses get turned over correctly at the correct time and to make sure they're functioning correctly. Well, I mean, that's actually a part of the game where you don't have to flip over the timer when the time runs out. It's not a requirement. It's, just, it's the only time you're allowed to flip it. There may be strategic reason for you to let something sit on that spot because you want this other timer to take off first so you can take advantage. Like, I need money. I want this black thing to run out first, get my three bucks so I can afford to do the thing when the blue timer tips over. I'll give it this. It's a novel mechanic. I've never (laughs) seen it before um, where it's, I've seen it sometimes where, hey, if you don't notice the timer runs out, you get a little extra time. But Mm -hmm. this, this being able to combo up failing to flip the timer yeah. With a win somewhere yeah. else is a novel idea. I've never seen it before. I, I recently saw a uh, a game that had three different timers going off that you flipped yourself at, at a convention. It was still in the works. It was about like... Yep, cooking. Yep. It was at the Connecticut Fig. Yep, at CT Fig. And, and uh, that, that was wild. And it, I thought, I've never seen that again. And all of a sudden, bam, pendulum pops up. And uh, it has three asymmetrical timers, which makes it really interesting because one of them's slow, one of them's kind of medium speed, and one of them is really quick. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) I mean, I never felt time so excruciatingly in a game before. It's like, why (laughs) isn't that purple timer? Is this purple timer working? Is it running the sand properly? You know, it's like, what is going on with this timer? Why isn't it out yet? Well, that's why I planned to not have to use the purple timer like actions very often. Yeah. You know, so because it doesn't happen as often. Oh, but they're so important. And it actually drives the clock of the whole round because, yeah. Now, once that purple timer is flipped over a certain number of times, we're going to end the round and call council. Oh, that got us in the end. 
Oof. So, Evan, what did you think of the nonstop action in this game? Oh, my gosh. There was nonstop action in this game. <laughs> <laughs> what about the fact that nobody took turns? Well, everyone plays all together at the same time. Mm. It is, it's a f- bit of a free-for-all, which I happen to like. I like games that involve all players as much as possible throughout the game, and this game delivers on that aspect. Uh, it definitely does, and it it's it competitive, and, and yeah. you can work block workers. So, oh, that was the worst. Now, that bit about not being fast is unimportant. It's not necessarily true. Being the first to get on a spot will give you an advantage. Yes, yes. Yeah. Yep. Now, there is a, a mitigating feature that claiming privilege it's supposed to help mitigate that but i find it hard in a real-time part of the game they go oh wait a minute here i have privilege i would have gotten to have that thing first before you haha it's hard to like <laughs> pause the game and actually make that happen well that's why you got to get more grande workers so you don't even have to worry about that anymore yeah upgrade <laughs> your workers to the grande workers <laughs> why do they call them that they're tall like a coffee i don't know so I have my Vente workers and my Grande workers. (laughs) I mean, you are timed. You're nervous the whole time. Maybe the coffee theme actually fits in with that. Okay, guys. I think here's the crux. It's real time. We love that. It's nonstop action. We love that. I do. I love real time. But here's my question. Mm -hmm. There's absolutely no policing in this game, and there's no going back to check to see if anyone, including yourself, did yeah. the action correctly. Yeah. Yeah. The actions are uh, difficult to remember to do correctly. And <laughs> let me try to quickly explain that. The timer bounces from column to column. When a timer is on a column, you can work, but you cannot move. When a timer is off a column, you can move, but you cannot work. Good luck trying to remember that <laughs> while you're hustling Four of your pieces around the board, desperate to get some action. And I think to that point, the game starts you off with just two workers. And they suggest, and I hardly recommend it, going in turn-based mode. You have a way to play the game in turn-based, where you can do everything you want to do, then click no the next timer down in a certain sequence that they give you. And you might want to play definitely your first round. Maybe even two rounds of turn bait just to get the mechanic down, understanding, oh, I can't touch this yet because the timer is there. Right. Yeah. And yeah. I appreciated that. <laughs> Absolutely doing it the first time. But then, you know, the training wheels come off. Yep. And <sighs> I had this sinking <laughs> feeling in my stomach so many times while I was playing that game. Did I do this right? And there's nobody I can ask to check it because right. they're, right. they're busy. Everybody's hustling. Okay, they're busy. They're f- focusing on their own thing. No one's going to be really watching you like a hawk because they got too much of their own stuff to watch. For me, I know it would be hard for me to feel like I came across a good win because I'd always have this feeling of, did I do it right? And if I slow mm-hmm. down to really make sure I did it right, I'm going to lose because <laughs> I got to be moving as quickly as everybody else. And the one other thing I want to say is that movement, when, when I said you're on a timer, you work, you're off a timer, you move. Unfortunately, the work mechanic requires you to physically move your person. So that means you're actually touching and moving your guy 
even when you're working. I wish they had come up with a different mechanic for working where it was like a gathering of something rather than a sliding of my component. Because mm. if I knew I didn't, couldn't touch it when the timer was on it, then that would that would be easier for me to police. Yeah, and I, I understand it. Kind of, it is a little bit like you can't touch it, but you have to touch it to move it down to the lower yeah, thing to right. do the work. Right. Yeah, definitely there. And, and that is a little like you have to grab this like, oh, I'm not. Not actually touching. Well, yeah, I am touching it, but hey, mm-hmm. <laughs> not there. I know the timers were driving Mike a little batty. Oh, my God. The second <laughs> I saw this game come out of the box and saw three asymmetrical timers hit the board and, oh, I realized there was no turns. I was shaking. I was like, <laughs> it makes me so anxious. Yeah. <laughs> but, I, like, I, I, I actually discovered over time as we played that there's a lot of waiting time. Like you, you have a little bit of time to plan. Uh, the the fast timer, the 45 second timer, kind of keeps you on edge. But the green timer is two whole minutes, and the other one is three minutes. That was really satisfying because you saw that, and it's like you get to the point where like, okay, I'm waiting for timer now. Am I getting the game now? <laughs> right. I, yeah. There was like a learning curve where you felt like now I think I get it because I'm actually staring at the green timer waiting for that last drop of sand to fall out of it. And we did that a bunch by the end, too. We're we're all just looking at the timer like, come on, buddy. On the final turn. Yeah. 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 And I think that's when the, the key indicator that you're starting to actually get the game. Something else to suggest in the rules is that if you're stuck, don't be afraid to pause the game, put the timer down. Of course, being a real-time game, you're going to have a lot of reluctance to doing that. Right. No one wants to be the guy who stops the action. <laughs> right. <laughs> now, what about the name and the theme of this game? I know Evan had a, an issue with the name. Why is this called Pendulum? I, I mean, I understand Pendulum is a device that in a way measures time, but there was no real pendulum per se in this game why didn't they call this game hourglass or something like yeah, that sands of time yeah, yeah. Just, right i i had the same feeling so i looked at the rule book to see what they had in there for flavor text and here's the part where i found a pendulum <laughs> when galadriel gifted the timeless king his power he also forged a great <laughs> iron clock that was placed in the grande plaza Oh. Of Monte Brele. <laughs> Gabriel declared that the clock would continue to run as long as the timely king ruled. With his disappearance, the clock had come to a stop. The iron pendulum hanging perfectly still below the S glass of its face. I feel like Ed is a little bit <laughs> after his time because I think he would have been an awesome MC for cartoons in the 1960s. <laughs> Galadriel? <laughs> Come on. I mean, we know that you're going to have a MacGuffin, all right? We get that. But it doesn't have to be the one ring to rule them all. You, know? you can come up with your own names. It's great that there's a pendulum clock in the story. Yeah, the story. Right. The, the, the MacGuffin, like you said, the legends hold that when a leader truly succeeds, the timeless king, they will visit the Grande Plaza and swing the pendulum. The Grande Plaza? Yeah. I think we got everything we could out of that the first time you said it. But, <laughs> you know, here's the thing. It's it's a pendulum and it's great that there's a clock in the story, but there is no clock in the game. So mm-hmm. the story doesn't really help. I mean, there's nope. an hourglass. That's kind of a clock. Yeah, but, but 
Okay. But there's an actual clock on the box, right? Mm-hmm. There's not mm-hmm. an hourglass on the clock. There could have been. Well, absolutely. There could have been a town center with a gigantic hourglass. You could yeah. have had these three towers on the box represented by the three hourglasses or something like yeah. that. That would have been <laughs> right. Oh, my gosh. They missed the boat a little bit on that one. Yeah. yeah it's, it's kind of funny that the pendulum is actually still in the story. Yeah. That moves the ball zero. <laughs> <laughs> it, it kind of implies the time is not moving. That's what you know, I, I would have liked them to tell me what the legendary achievement was that I had. Like, I get this metal token that I get to grab, and it tells Oh, we called it the Arkenstone. Yeah, we, you're right. We were calling it the Arkenstone. Speaking of borrowing from Lord of the Rings. <laughs> but they didn't say, like, you know, and each army could have had their own little description or something about what my legendary achievement was, but I didn't see any any reference to it or any bonus for getting it, except for the fact that you can't win the game unless you do it. Yeah, it was a box to check. That's it. You had yeah. to have one of these things. This game feels a tiny bit rushed in those touches. Mm-hmm. Well, actually, on that note, this game was playtested because it actually got awards during its playtesting phase. I thought the playtesting part of it, like the mechanics and everything of the game, worked pretty well. Yeah. I just, uh, I, I think thematically, like whoever was marketing this game, maybe that's where the rush came in. Maybe. That could be. You know, but it's also the components. You know, the sand timer stuck. It doesn't have a wide enough base. Those pieces feel a little rushed. I'm used to dual layer cardboard when I have to move things along a long track. So I felt the victory point tracker. I was bouncing those things around and I got misplaced a little bit. Where was that victory point tracker? I, it was almost too slippery and yep, sliding. It was. I would have liked it if it like stuck in and it couldn't move easily. My theory is that it, it felt like it was kind of plasticine. And I think they were worried that people would spill stuff all over the place as they're reaching across the board and flipping timers and all that. So I think they wanted to make it so the board didn't get destroyed. That may be, but in in doing so, they did make it more difficult to track your victory. Yeah, it slid around too much. Let me ask you this. Did <laughs> any of us not end up accidentally sliding our ti- our victory point tracks? Oh, totally. Uh, my different slid a little bit. I mean, I remember where it was, but I had, I was like, oh, crap, I bumped it. Yeah, mm-hmm. I was constantly readjusting. Right. That. And again, that get, added that another sinking feeling of mine. Oh, boy. Did I put my victory point tracker in the right place back? Yeah. You never want to feel like you cheated to get that victory. Exactly. In this game, like everywhere, I felt like, oh, my God, am I cheating? What's happening? Yeah, exactly. (laughs) All right, everyone. It's time to dig up or bury Pendulum. Evan? Pendulum keeps all players in the action throughout the game. It keeps you on your toes, keeps you thinking, keeps you moving. Despite the inherent chaos, the game, for the most part, stays in control. Swing it up. Ed? Pendulum doesn't have quite the math appeal of Stonemeyer's last mega hit. And I'm not that keen on real-time games. But I didn't mind that aspect in this case. The theme itself was the weakest part of the game. But I did have a lot of fun playing this. So I'm going to dig this up for more real-time action. Mike? Time pressure is something that can easily spook me in any game i see a timer and it freaks me out (laughs) (laughs) sorry but in this game in particular they handled it really well and and i had a good time with it so i'm definitely gonna dig it up to everybody's surprise i love real-time games normally and i absolutely love timers boggle is one of my favorite games but in this case i really just felt like i could not properly track the game i'm gonna bury it 
If you have thoughts about Pendulum, we'd love to hear from you. Reach out to us on Twitter. We're there all the time. If you have thoughts about Pendulum, we'd love to hear from you. We're on Twitter all the time. Give us a shout out. And check out our unboxing on Instagram. Let's talk about the board game Careers. Designed by James Cook Brown. Published by Parker Brothers in 1955. Number of players, two to six, ages eight and up. Okay, Mike, tell us what's in the careers box. In true Parker Brothers fashion, the cover of this box is an abstract mix of primary colored stripes with the word (laughs) careers plastered across the front. (laughs) And to bring it home, it's slashed across with a yellow stripe with the game's symbols, a heart, a star, and a money symbol. There are international printings of the game that have their own symbols for money, but we played the one with the dollar bill sign on the front. (laughs) Inside this battered box, we found a game board, a deck of 28 opportunity cards, another deck of 28 experience cards, six player pawns, six success pads, you're gonna love that, two dice, (laughs) and a bunch of paper money. That's what's in the box. Well, before we take on the job of this review... Evan, tell us how it's played. Careers is a game where the players set their own life goals. These become their victory conditions. A player may choose to pursue fame, happiness, and money, or a combination of all three. The limitation being that the total number of points earned in the three categories must total 60. So you could have 60 happiness with zero fame and zero money, or 20 of each, any combination so long as it's 60. The players endeavor to fulfill their goals by going through any number of different occupation paths. All paths have some prerequisite for entry, and benefits accrue from going through any of the paths more than once. Hollywood is good for fame points, while going to sea is good for happiness, as (laughs) Celeste is going to tell you all about. I'm going to sea! (laughs) In the end, it's the player who gets to their preset goals first who will be the winner and achieve everything they ever wanted in life (laughs) okay (laughs) (laughs) all right the quality of these components guys let's talk about it 1955 huh teeny tiny yellowy dice two little d6s now in in their defense i believe these dice were white originally but (laughs) over 60 70 years they will tend to yellow um (laughs) over you know because of time they They were were pretty good shape though they look nice and classic-y, I gotta say. They were great, yeah. I mean, they were the same dice I played most games with in the 70s as a kid. Sure. Mm-hmm. Nostalgic, definitely nostalgic. Because they're probably made of a billion of them at once, and that's what they added to the game. All right, how about those tracking pads, guys? Oh, boy. Oh, my God. I wish they worked. Oh, these scoring pads. It's a plastic sheet. You lay the plastic sheet down, you draw on top of it, and then you can peel it up to empty the sheet again. Yeah, the problem was the plastic was so busted and old and used that you'd write something on it, and when you take your hand away from it, the plastic would bend a little and just erase what you wrote. Yeah, no longer really serviceable or function or functional. And you can also tell these things were well loved in oh, this yeah. used game. We got, I mean, th- some of those scratch marks are so hard, or you can see someone was so frustrated that they actually, <laughs> you can see the anger in some of the <laughs> that just would never come off of that scratch pad. Regardless, <laughs> it's like a little bit of history right in your palm or your hand. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, so that the stuff, the stuff, the black stuff on the pad must have been wax, right? It's some mystery substance that we no longer have access yeah, to. I'm sure it's toxic. 
I'm sure it's toxic and no longer legal <laughs> to, to, to have Probably some lead-based uh, product. <laughs> <laughs> Probably. But they were very nostalgic, though. And I can't, that's weird that it's nostalgic, but I also can't remember what it's called <laughs> at the same time. Because we didn't care what it was okay, called. We were kids okay, and it was cool. Okay, okay, okay. Yeah. All right, no, 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 I got it. I got it. <laughs> oh. Magic Slate. Magic Slate, okay. That sounds like it. Magic Slate, trademark, uh-huh. yep. And you used, so to, cool. you used to be able to get a Tom and Jerry or a Star Trek one. And it, all it did was it, none of them were any different. They just had a slightly different cardboard backdrop with like the, <laughs> the icons from whatever cartoon or television show. One company churning these things out. <laughs> different skins. It looks like a clipboard kind of, but uh, with cartoon characters on it. Wow. What did I Google to find it now? Now I got to go back. <laughs> what did I Google? Here's what I Googled. Black wax peel up kids drawing pad. here it showed up thanks google for interpreting our word salad properly (laughs) yeah Yeah. good job there remember the one you could get (laughs) oh god we're not even going to talk about this game are we the game we're down the rabbit hole this is like a bonus point (laughs) totally totally okay let's get back to it so the peel up scratch pads they called the magic slates that they used for keeping track of your scores were fantastic and unusable at the same time, simultaneously. Yeah. <laughs> it was the best component we didn't use. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. <laughs> okay, so this game plays a little bit like other Parker Brothers games, right, Ed? Uh, Yeah, it definitely looks and smells a lot like Monopoly. <laughs> Good point. I got to say, the scent, the stench of life is all over it as well. Oh, man. Yeah. That sounds gross. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I, 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 I was kind of waiting for the, uh, oh, have married and get kids. and. Uh... Yeah, right. It, was, it, it didn't bury you quite as badly as life in that way because mm-hmm. it really did just stick with, what's that dream job you're going to get? What are you going to do with your yeah. life? And I loved the choices. The choices were so fantastic. One of them was just going to sea as if that's yeah. a career. Yeah, not sea captain, <laughs> not, not sailor, yeah, not, not fi- fisherman, yeah, not, not fish- pilot. Going to sea. I loved it. It was so nebulous. I was absolutely enchanted by it. I'm like, I'm going to sea. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Your experience at sea was amazing, too, Celeste. Yeah, yeah how'd that work out for you? Yeah, okay. So here's the thing. <laughs> <laughs> like most Parker Brothers games, you're stuck just rolling the dice and hoping for the best. So you can try to choose a career, which you kind of have to do. Yeah, you can't win without it. First, let's talk about setting your own win. It's custom victory points, guys. That's cool. Yeah. That, that's kind of cool. Custom victory points. I mean, truly customizable. Pick the numbers you want. As long as it adds up to 60, mm-hmm. you're yep. good. Right. So between hearts, stars, and dollar bills, you've got to have a certain amount. And it just all has to add up to 60. Yep. That's fantastic. I had no idea custom victory points were that early in life. Yeah. Right? Yeah, yeah I know. Strategizing like that? I mean, you know, and in the box, it says the distribution of those different symbols that you need is roughly the same. <laughs> oh, Mike hated that. I hated that. I'm like, no, so that means they're not equal and there's an imbalance <laughs> here. You're saying they're roughly the same. Yeah, and so. I think having played it now, I will agree with Mike. It 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 really doesn't. I mean, re- if you're going to go sixty hearts and zero stars and zero, which is what I did, that, because going yep. to going to see was all about hearts. So I'm yeah. like, I'm going for it, sixty hearts. <laughs> but that's a difficult. But you've set you set forth a different a difficult 
um, a victory condition for yourself because you've limited yourself. Mm -hmm. If you spread it out equally, yeah. I think you have a much better of chance. Of course you of do. Of course you do. Yeah. I got to two hearts. <laughs> <That's> <laughs> right. Yeah. yeah, right. Well, I kind of looked at the board and, and thought about common dice roll numbers and common spots you can end up on. And then I was like, oh, it looks like hearts have kind of a little bit of an advantage. So I made most of my thing, like half of it hearts. And then the other two I distributed evenly. And here I thought you just valued happiness over money. I mean, you know, it tells a lot about a person what you choose in this introduction. Oh, it's actually part. a psychological analysis. <laughs> <laughs> right. Yeah, it looks like a Monopoly board, but there's also these little wormholes, which is the career paths. And when you get on them, you have to roll one die instead of two, and you kind of slowly move through that track. Maybe. Uh yeah, maybe. yeah, or you, or, yeah, or you get sick at sea, right, Celeste? You get thrown <laughs> off. You get thrown off the ship, and you wind up in a hospital bed. First off, I spent every penny to get my career at sea because yeah. Mike draws an opportunity card that says "Go to sea if you want," which means you could jump right to that spot on the board. I'm like, Mike, I'll give you everything I own to go to sea. <laughs> And so, she did. And I did. Except and, for. And then I forgot that there was a $100 boarding pass, essentially, to get on. <laughs> so I gave her the 100 bucks back because I could not stand to see her get right at the edge of shore on her, of her boat and not be able to get on not it. Not have so. the entrance fee. <laughs> Thanks to Mike's gracious offer, I'm able to board the ship. I get on board, <laughs> I roll the die, and I'm seasick the first day and go to the hospital. Oh, I didn't If roll. I roll a one here. Yeah. I lose my nine hundred dollars because I have to go to the hospital. Oh, cool! <laughs> I got a one in six chance of utterly failing. And you might have to pay your way out of the hospital and go bankrupt. And you're using some crank. <laughs> and you're using some crank die developed in nineteen sixty four. One, 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 one. She rolled the one. Oh, she rolled the one. All right, let's see what this. Seasick on first day. Seasick on first day. <laughs> I'll be back. I'll give you all my money. I just want to go to see you. <laughs> <laughs> booted right off the career path on your first day. <laughs> so you lost your investment in your career and you're stuck in a hospital bed, yeah. which is nearly impossible to roll your way out. Yeah. And you don't have to roll your way out. You could pay your way out of the hospital, but Celeste had no money. <laughs> <laughs> and who has to go to the hospital for seasickness? You were in there for five turns. Oh, too long. And then we found out later she could have just restarted. Yes, that's right. There's a bankruptcy function of the game in which you can declare bankruptcy and essentially start over. You know, just get a thousand bucks back and get going. Yep, and get going again. My career path was, I think, equally interesting. I started off, the only career I got to first was park bench, which means I was like homeless and broke or whatever. <laughs> And I got stuck there for a couple turns. And then I finally found a card that let me get into big business. Yeah. So I went through the big business track, got a couple of bonuses there. But then I hit a card that said, people find out that you're a phony, go to the park bench. And I was kicked out of the business career. So I ended up well, back on the park bench again. In a way. <laughs> but Ed, did you actually finish your mission to the moon? Oh, oh, yes. I mean, uh, just in the, the sheer randomness of the game, the first thing I got was an opportunity for an expenses paid trip to the moon. Yeah. And it's usually $5,000 to get onto that moon trip, but Ed got it for free. I got it for free. I got on that track, and then uh, I hit a couple of big things, got ten grand out of there, got some experience, and no, oh, 
That wasn't enough. I went back to the moon again. <laughs> That's and right. Two trip to the moon. Yeah. Booyah. Like, who is meanwhile, this guy? Meanwhile, I was strapped to a hospital bed swearing that I felt better. <laughs> and then, uh, so uh, no, a way to get out of the hospital bed, Celeste, is you can eat, you can roll your way out, which is hard, or pay 500 bucks. And I said, Celeste, I'll loan you the $500 so you can get out of the hospital bed. <laughs> Yeah, she says, "No, I'm not doing that. No way. Get (laughs) out of here." (laughs) But it's kind of an interesting thing in this game. There's no limits on the kind of deals you can make with people. That's great. I love that. Me, me, and Evan did a lot of deals. Especially because he wanted to do his own trip to the moon and cost five thousand dollars, like we said. So I know Ed got the free ride, but I had to pay for my ride. I didn't have five thousand dollars, so I went to Ed, who had a lot of money because he got that ten thousand bucks on his first moon mission, and I needed to borrow that money so I could go down the path. And we cut a nice deal. Well, it was a nice deal at first. You know, you're gonna eventually pay him back eight grand for his five grand loan. <laughs> but then you what what situation did you run into later where that loan got altered? Okay, so when there's another rule in the game in which you land on the same space as another player, it's called the bumping rule. And what happens is the default is that you get bumped to the park bench, you become a bum. So you're well into your career path, you're almost ready to, to, to get all your goodies and stuff, and oh, someone comes along, steps on your space, and what, I have to go to the park bench now and I lost everything in this investment? <laughs> eh, that stinks, but you can wheel and deal. So I made a deal with Ed in which I would not bump him if he would, you know, give me some more favorable terms on that loan we established. <laughs> yeah, and I would also gave him one of my experience cards because you can get experience in the game and when you do it tells you instead of rolling the dice you roll this i gave him one that said well you can use this to get 10 grand of your own next turn yeah i took that mm-hmm. thank you and what was with the college careers like they, there's supposedly an entire college track here like how do you even get on the college track like we didn't touch it that's the thing about these type of game the move rolling moves if you don't Roll the right number or move to the right space or get the right opportunity, you don't go there. Yep. The space that you land on that's helpful and they're all over the board. There's like three per side, which is like, I think the sides are like seven spaces per side. But there's three opportunity knocks spaces there and on each side. But 11 spaces of opportunity knocks on the board. So, but when you land on one of those spaces, you draw from the opportunity deck and those cards usually move you to a career that you can go on to. Yeah, that's what helps keep moving the game moving along. Unless you're stuck in a hospital bed. <laughs> but I mean, yeah, right. But well, we're saying the game moves, but then you got to consider there's 60 points we're trying to get. And in some cases, you can just land on one spot, do nothing and get 14 points. There's other spots that let you gamble. You pay a thousand bucks per dice roll and you'll get, you know, one t- one point for every pip you roll on the dice. So you can spend three grand and get three points, or you can spend nothing and get 14 points. So this game swings like crazy. Yeah, they should have called this game Pendulum. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay, explorers, it's time to dig up or bury careers. Ed? Is this a game I'd pull out for game night with my friends? No. <laughs> <laughs> it's not a good game. It has many issues. I did have fun playing it, but I'm going to bury it for my collection. Mike? It's definitely worth a goofy laugh. The outrageous swings are a lot of fun, and this is definitely an improvement over Monopoly. So I say, dig it up. Evan? 
Careers has several of the features of a Monopoly-like Parker Brothers board game, but despite that, it has some other features which depart from that mold. It makes the game just interesting enough that if a family were to reach for a Monopoly-like game on game night, they'd be best pulling this one, Careers. In that context, dig it up. The box cover does this game no favors. <laughs> I've had it for over two years, and I have avoided oh, wow. playing this game because it was so ugly on the box. <laughs> and I thought for sure it was going to be a life knockoff. It is not. I would play this over Life or Monopoly any day of the week and will in the future. Dig it up. Cool. If you have thoughts about careers, we would love to hear yes, them. Yes, yes, yes. Hit us up on Twitter. And that brings us to the end of our show. We look forward to hearing about all the game exploring you're doing. We're on Twitter all the time. Hit us up. Play Mikey's Game on Tuesday. And we're on Instagram, Facebook, and YouTube. Don't forget about our Twitch show Thursday nights. And if you'd like more perks and content from Which Game First, just go to our website and click on Become a Supporter today and you will get exclusive episodes of our podcast Bonus points. points. Our patron-only podcast. Thanks for listening, everybody. I got to go to the moon, not one, but twice. (laughs) Enjoy your life in the briny sea. Why is it called Pendulum? 